Blog Talk Radio. Paleo Hebrew, 
And welcome to the show. I am your host, your brother, your friend, as always, Tyler Pye. I'm joined this morning by my wife once again. Hasadai in the building. Shalom, 12 tribes worldwide, man. I hope everybody's healthy. Hope everybody had a great weekend, safe weekend, a good Shabbat. Uh, Shouts out to the brothers here in San Antonio. Shouts out to the brothers in VA, the brothers in H-Town and Rochester. Shouts out to Kyle Cobb down in Guatemala. And us collectively, y'all, make up ISBHPK, Israelite School of Biblical History and Practical Knowledge, man. And this is uh, one of our platforms that we use to get this truth out, to spread this truth to the so-called blacks, the so-called Indians, and so-called Native Americans spread throughout the Americas here in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, This is Blog Talk. Um, And the actual title, y'all, is Bible Talk. Bible Talk. We've been going strong, man. I think Michelle said it's been like 13 years. Shouts out to you, Michelle, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot the brothers of Albuquerque. Shouts out to them as well. So if it's your first time tuning in to the show, uh, I usually do about an hour, sometimes less, sometimes more, of the news and current events before I get into the topic. And the topic at hand is Never Wax Tales, Captivity of the Southern Kingdom of Judah, Part 4. So this has been a series that I've been working on, y'all. And uh, what I'm attempting to do, man, is to educate our people on the history of the Bible. You know, like I said, man, if y'all haven't learned anything, anything from listening to our shows here at Bible Talk, I hope y'all at least learning now that the Bible is definitely a history book, man. It's not a book of religion. And as long as our people try to read the Bible from a religious mindset, they're never going to understand it. You're never going to get it. So uh, that's what we're be, we've been trying to do here at Blog Talk, at Bible Talk, uh, in the series that we're doing. Also follow Mashaba, his series, uh, Going Over Salvation, man. And the most I had it, the spirit worked out this way to where these two topics, they just kind of merged together. And this wasn't planned, y'all. Me and Mashaba really didn't talk about this, man. Like I said, it's definitely the spirit. But, um... Oh, yeah, I do have uh, one announcement, man, and I'm still trying to put things together, but I just want to let Israel know that if you are a husband, if you are a wife, I am now in possession of actual marriage certificates. I'm going to say this again. If you're married, I have in my possession marriage certificates actual marriage certificates that uh, we're going to use. Now, I discussed this with Kazakia. We have to go over it in more detail. But what our plan is is to get everybody that is married a certificate so they can have it for their records and we can have it for ours. Because we slowly, or not slowly, we want to establish some type of database that lets everyone know, okay, these two people are married. So that's what we work. <clears throat> excuse me. That's what we're working on, y'all. So, if, uh, like I said, if you need a copy or need one of these certificates, please 
holler at me. Shoot me a text message, call me, or uh, shoot me an email. I need my email information uh, if you shoot me a text. Uh, my phone number is 314-482-9110, man. Just in an effort to get uh, Israel, at least our camps, um, and I'm not excluding any other camp, but just focus on our camp. At least try to get our camps organized, man, more organized, more efficient, and more effective. All right, y'all. So with that said, um, let's jump into jump into it. So let's get Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen, 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 man. This is the prayer we need to be praying on the daily so we can get the hell up out of this place, man, and we don't have to uh, <laughs> suffer to uh, demonic halftime shows <laughs> uh, like we had uh, a couple days ago on Sunday. Yeah, I'm referring to the Super Bowl uh, halftime show. Y'all don't know my now. Everybody should know this. Rihanna is money. Yeah, in case you didn't know. Also, man, when it checked uh, the damn movie, um, I was 23 out this weekend, man. It was all right. It was all right. Um, but what I was thrown off by, they had a part in the movie. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, making it known. They have a part in the movie, y'all, where they, and it just came from out of left field. They just threw in the Illuminati. I mean, it came from out of nowhere. <laughs> and you, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, wow, I can't believe they did this. And scratching my head trying to say, okay, how much of this is true that they're, they're telling? How much of this information that they're offering up is actually real? So that one got me, man. Uh, but I'm saying all this to say, man, we need to get the hell up out of here, man. Uh, let's get Psalm chapter 118, verse 24. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So good or bad, happy or sad. The most I brought you to it, he'll definitely bring you through it, and you'll come out better on the other side because of it, y'all. Yes, indeed. So, y'all, uh, I got quite a few things I want to unpack this morning. So let's get this article right here first. Let me move some stuff around. I'm going to go too far with that because we be jumping. So uh, read, matter of fact, Matt, read this right here. Read the headline. Tell me what you read from. From CNN.com, this is how many mass shootings there have been so far this year. So, go ahead. Dated February 14, 2023. So, this is dated today, and it's talking about mass shootings. The reason it's talking about mass shootings is because they had another mass shooting, y'all, 
Yes, they had another one. Uh, let's see. In uh, what was it at? Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. Check this out. Another one. Another one. <laughs> <laughs> it's becoming <laughs> like DJ Khaled, man. Another one. And you hear you hear about it all the time, man. That's why I wanted to pull this article, and I didn't pull the article from the one that just happened at the uh, what's it, Michigan State? I believe it was Michigan State. So that one happened uh, yesterday. Read this right here. There have been more shootings than days so far this year. Read that again. There have been more shootings than days so far this year. It says there's been more shootings this year so far than there's been the days of the year. It's going to, it's going to explain. Read on. And more shootings than at this point in any year since at least 2013. So they said they haven't had this many shootings so early in the year since 2013, y'all. Read on. CNN is tracking mass shootings in the U.S. using data from the Gun Violence Archive a nonprofit group formed in 2013 to track gun-related violence. Both CNN and GBA define a mass shooting as a shooting that injured or killed four or more people, not including the shooter. Mm -hmm. Here's how 2023 compares with previous years. More mass shootings in 2023 so far than at this point in any year since at least 2013. There have been more than 65 mass shootings in the United States so far this year, including the one in Monterey Park, California. Now, how many has it been so far? More than 65. More than 65, y'all. We're only into the second month of the supposed new year. The second. We ain't ain't even finished the second month of February. We we ain't even through all of February yet. So, yeah, they're right. It's been more mass shootings so far than days of the year or days in this year. Read. The deadliest attack since the Uvalde massacre in May 2022. There have been more shootings at this point in 2023 than in any previous year since at least 2013. Now, trip off of this right here because they got a little graph. Read. That, that mass shootings. Okay. Mass shootings in the U.S. in 2023. You can just do the dates. Yep, do the dates. Go, go all the way across it. Okay. So on February 13, 2023, there were four deaths, five injuries in East Lansing, Michigan. Right. Like I said, this happened yesterday at that college. Read on. February 12th, there was one death, five injuries in Louisville. Louisville, Mississippi. February 10th, there were zero deaths, four injuries in Brooklyn, New York. February 10th, there were two deaths and two injuries in the Bronx, New York. This happened all this stuff on the same day. So one, uh, four people in Brooklyn injured, two in the Bronx. Read. February 8th, zero deaths, four injuries in Laurenburg, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. February 8th, Zero deaths, four injuries in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. February 8th, two deaths, four injuries in New Orleans, Louisiana. Someone was popping off on February 8th, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. February 6th, 
one death, four injuries in Corpus Christi, Texas. February 5th, one death, three injuries in Stockton, California. And also on February 5th, one death and three injuries in Tucson, Arizona. Wow. Ain't that something? You might be scratching your head, man, as you're saying, man, what is this world coming to? You need to be. This is where we at, man. But don't scratch your head and don't be in, in any wonder or any amazement because the, the Bible told us this. Let's get Habakkuk, chapter 2 and verse 12. The Bible is a fascinating book, y'all. Like I said, man, it's, it's so accurate that it will make the hair on the back of your neck stand up to see the things that are written in this Bible, man, in this book that people have been trying to <laughs> discount, discredit it for years, and it's still standing. <laughs> it's still here, man. It's like uh, Isaiah chapter 34 and verse 16. Matter of fact, you got to have a cook yet? No. Well, she's fine. Let me get this. Isaiah chapter 34 and verse 16. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord, and the book of the Lord is, yes, indeed, definitely the Bible. It's not the Quran or any other religious book claiming to have some type of uh, connection with the Most High, with um, Yahweh Shah, who the world knows is Christ. It is definitely the Bible. So it says, seek ye out of the book of the Lord, like I said, which is the Bible, and listen to this, y'all, it says, and read. <laughs> and read, and that's the problem, man. Who ain't got a Bible? Who's actually opening the Bible up and reading it to see what it says, man, to get the instructions of the Bible? So this is giving us instructions. It says, to seek out of the book of the Lord and read, no one of these shall fail, meaning none of the prophecies of the Bible are going to fail, and they have not failed, man. The Bible, like I said, is pinpoint accurate. None shall want her mate. I mean, there's no other book that's as accurate as the Bible. There's no other book that compares to the Bible or you could try to make the Bible with to say, okay, it's, it's on the same level as the Bible. And I'm not talking about secular sources. The secular sources, they're not on the same level as the Bible. They do help to validate the Bible, but there's, there's no way that they're on the same level as the Bible. It says, for my mouth it had commanded and his spirit, it has gathered them. So the Bible, like I said, man, is pinpoint accurate, and you won't find a better book anywhere else, y'all. Trust me, I've done the research. <laughs> Before I even came into the truth, man, I was the uh, the uh, conspiracy guy, man. So anything dealing with conspiracies, man, I was reading it. Been there, done that, read it. And all them books, and I spent a lot of money on those books, man, only to be woken up years later, to my surprise, the the, the cheapest book <laughs> in the in the bookstore was the Bible, which had the most information in it, man. And like I said, nothing else compares to it. All right, where are we at? Habakkuk 2 and 12. Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood. Now, this is going back to the mass shootings. It said it's been, what, 65? Mass shooting so far this year? Why do you think that is? Read this again. 
Go to him that buildeth a town with blood. This says woe. The word woe means destruction. The Bible says destruction to him that builds a town with blood. How was America established? How was it established? I mean, I know a lot of y'all don't know because they've got this um, critical race theory going on. <laughs> and, and let's just be honest about it, man. A lot of us don't read history anyway. Why? Oh, we're bored. History's boring. Uh, I'm going to sleep. And the reality of it is, man, a lot of people are stupid. A lot of us are stupid, and we have short attention spans. This is why we don't want to pay attention to history, so we can actually find out, okay, why things are the way they are or why a particular group of people are the way they are. Getting back to my point, America was established on bloodshed, whether it was the conquest of America during the 1400s, early 14, late 1500s, the conquest of America, the transatlantic slave trade, um, the slavery itself, the lynchings, the uh, mass incarceration, I mean, the Jim Crow laws, red line, I mean, come on, man. They These people deal in violence. They've established their country on violence. This, why do what do they celebrate every Fourth of July? America's independence, which was gotten through what violence. <laughs> it was gotten through violence. There's even a civil war. They fight amongst each other. They are just violent in nature. They're violent people. They've established a whole country built on violence. So what's going to become out of violence? Violence. You ever heard the saying, violence begets violence? Duh. Read it again. Tell them where you at. Habakkuk 2 and 12. Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood uh-huh. and establisheth a city by iniquity. Iniquity means sin. Sin is the breaking of God's laws. They've, broke, they've broken every one of them, and they continue to do so. So what, what good did you think was going to come out of this place and out of this people? It's in their nature to be sinful and violent. Look at Genesis chapter 27, verse 40. Genesis chapter 27, verse 40. We're going to deal with their, uh, their forefather, which is historically, biblically proven. It's the so-called white man. man. Y'all can say what y'all want to say about us being uh, racist or uh, what was the word that uh, that clown used? He said we were race idolaters. Uh, you know the dude that did the interview with uh, Nathaniel Whitlock. Jason Whitlock called us, yeah, race idolaters. Idiot. Um, oh, yeah. Genesis chapter 27, verse 40. And by thy sword shalt thou live. Now, this is not a fact. Let me see. Let me read it. In, let's read it in context. Uh, you were in. What verse were you in? Forty. Uh, read the story, verse thirty-eight. Genesis twenty-seven thirty-eight. And Esau said unto his father, 
hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifts up his voice and wept. In case you don't understand, the backdrop for this story is Esau had already previously sold his birthright to his brother Jacob. You have a lot of uneducated, unread people, unwise um, people that have read the story of Genesis, the 25th chapter, and said that Jacob stole Esau's birthright, when it clearly tells you that Esau sold his birthright to Jacob because he thought he was going to die because he missed the meal for some lentils and some, some red meat. So I don't know where people get their, well, I know what it is from, from their opinion, but it's not coming out of the Bible. But this dude had previously sold his birthright. Now he's crying over his birthright. You know, it's just like children. He has a child's mentality. A child will have a toy in the corner somewhere. I won't be worried about the toy till what? Another kid comes and grabs it now. Oh, I'm crying. I'm falling on the floor. I'm throwing a tantrum. I'm slobbing at the mouth over my toy that I didn't want to somebody else pick it up. So this is the mentality of the so-called white man. And this is on display right here in Genesis 27 chapter. Read on. And Isaac, his father, answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth. So dad got sick of this brat, bratish kid whining. He said, I'm going to give you some, all right? The dwelling of the earth, all right? The fatness of the dwelling of the earth. Read. And of the dew of heaven... From above. Now, this is the part I want to get to, verse 40. And by thy sword shalt thou live. How was this dude going to live? What was one of the blessings his father Isaac gave him? And by thy sword shalt thou live. That he was going to live by the sword. Who else could this be talking about, y'all? Whether it was the ancient sword or whether it was the gun. Because we know, in case you didn't, the Chinese invented gunpowder. Lots of kids, Moab. They invented gunpowder. But who made it the weapon that it is today? It's the so-called white man. And you can go all the way back to the Gatling gun or the musket gun that they had. I I say Gatling gun because the Gatling gun was, instrumental in destroying, killing off our brothers and sisters uh, that we loosely refer to as Indians or Native Americans. It was instrumental in killing them off, man. It was the machine gun of its time. It just kept shooting, and it, it held a lot of rounds. It was just straight destruction, man. It's like the Tommy gun that the gangsters had during the gangster period. But this dude has been known for his weaponry. Look at all the weapons that have been made. Who are they named after? What about the Mossberg punk? These ain't black people. These ain't people from other nations. These white folks. What about the, the Arisma Cross uh, AK-47? What about the Uzi? What about Smith and Wesson? The what about the nine millimeter Beretta? They're named after white people. 
this is this is their blessing, y'all. This is what the Most High blessed them with. Come on, man. No, we ain't reaching. These, this is factual information. This is what's in their spirit. We're reading about their blessing here. The so-called white man comes from Esau. That's his biblical name. He is the father of the Edomites. The Bible tells us that clearly. Jacob was the father of the so-called blacks, Latinos, Native Americans, the Israelites that are scattered throughout the four corners of the globe, y'all. And we know that he was normal, Genesis chapter 25. He was born normal, but his brother Esau came out red all over. He had a birth defect. Everybody in the world had color before this particular dude popped up on the scene. He was the only one that was born red. So the Bible gives his physical characteristics and his spiritual deficiencies, which was what? He was impatient because he sold his birthright, right? He also says that he was a man of the world, meaning this dude was going to be all over the globe. And you look at those Jacques Cousteau's, Marco Polo, all the uh, Lewis and Clark, all the uh, explorers and um, what they call them? Yeah, all the explorers, those people. And it talks about he's going to be a cunning hunter, meaning cunning means skillful. He's the only people that hunt on full stomachs. The rest of the nations, they hunt because they were hungry. This dude hunt on full stomachs, and then he keeps trophies. This is who they're talking about. Read this again, Genesis 27, verse 40. And by thy sword shalt thou live, and shalt serve thy brother. It says that this dude was going to live by the sword. And he has, man, like I said, whether it was the ancient sword itself or those weapons that I named in the modern-day gun. This is what he lives by. The Bible even tells us in uh, Galatians, I believe it is, whatsoever man sow, he shall also reap. Let's get Proverbs chapter 6, verse 27. Y'all can't deny facts, man. Y'all can try to say that, nope, that ain't talking about the so-called white men. Nope, it ain't talking about us. Y'all can say that to y'all blue in the face, man. But facts are facts. Just like it tells you in Romans, it says, uh, matter of fact, I'm sorry, I know I'm jumping, y'all. Let's get Romans chapter 3. Hold that. We're coming right back. I'm so tired of people trying to um, discount this fact, man. It's getting on my nerves. Romans chapter 3? Yeah, hold on for a second. Start at verse uh, verse 3. Romans 3 and 3. For what if some did not believe? What if some people just don't believe the word of God that the so-called white man is, in fact, Esau? Like I said, through historical proofs, 
through common proofs we can look around and see today? What if some people just do not believe? Read. Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Read. Forbid. Which means no. Because you don't believe in the Bible, does that mean that the Bible is not valid, that it's not a reliable source? <laughs> no. <laughs> don't care about your opinion. Read. Yea, let God be true. Let who be true? Let God be true. Let God and his word be true. Read. But every man a liar. Every man a liar. Read. As it is written. As it is, as it is written, man. Even me, if I'm saying telling y'all some stuff that y'all can't go back and validate in the Bible, that makes me a liar. We're not partial over here on this side. We're all about the book. If the book say it, we doing it. All right. Um, what was we at before here? Proverbs, right? Yeah. Chapter 6. The book said we do as the book said. It's factual information, y'all, that you can hang your hat on. The Bible says prove all things. If it's proven, then it's the truth. If it's not proven, it's not the truth. Read. Proverbs 6.27. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burnt? Can you play with fire and not get burned? Ain't that the common saying? Ain't that a proverb? I told you about playing with fire. <laughs> what do we What do we mean when we say, do we mean this literally? No, we don't mean this literally. We're just telling people, hey, man, if you keep messing around with that over there, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get touched. That's going to come back on you. You're playing with fire. That's what the Bible's saying right here. Read it again. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burnt? Right. Can Esau play with weapons and, and, and go around um, handling weapons and not actually use them? Can Esau go around killing people, destroying countries and colonializing them and don't think that nothing's going to come back on him? He doesn't think that this type of behavior is going to spill over into his citizens, and they're going to they gonna start acting the same way that he acts. Ecclesiasticus, chapter 12, verse 3, Proverbs. Proverbs 12, and 3. There can no good come to him that is always occupied in evil. <laughs> what does it say? There can no good come to him that is always occupied in evil. The so-called white man has been occupied evil since his conception. Because when you go back and read the story of Esau and Jacob, after he sold Jacob his birthright, his birthright, and then Jacob got the birthright, Esau was mad, and he said he was going to kill him as soon as Isaac died. Like, your days is numb. As soon as daddy died, I'm murking you. This is what he said. Go back and read the story, y'all. I'm paraphrasing, but this is what happened. Read it again. There can no good come to him that is always occupied in evil. Always occupied in evil. What verse is that? Three. You in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, right? Yes. Do you want the rest of Did you read the rest? Read. Nor to him that giveth no alms. Oh, my goodness. This is nor to him that gives no alms. He hasn't given any alms. 
because I know we hear our people all the time talking about reparations and consideration and all of that stuff. He's done none of that. So no good is coming to this dude. Now jump down to verse 13. Verse 13. Who will pity a charmer that is bitten with a serpent? Who will pity a charmer that is bitten by a serpent? What does this sound like, y'all? Who is this talking about? What type of occupation might this person have? This is talking about somebody that is a snake charmer that messes around with snakes. Read it again. Who will pity a charmer that is bitten with a serpent? If I'm playing around with a snake and I get bit, who's going to feel sorry for me? It's just like the, the uh, Vegas act. This freaking and Roy, I think it was, mm-hmm. one of them got bit by one of those damn tigers or lions, whatever they were playing with. Everybody was, ooh. Oh, how could this happen? You need to put that lion down. Uh, it's a wild animal, fool, and you got it in a cage. It's not meant to be in a cage. What do you think was going? What did you think was going to happen? You surprised this lion just reached out and bit the person that captured him and put him in a damn cage and stopped him from running around being a lion. So he's just supposed to lay down, roll over, pat his stomach like he's some damn dog, like he ran ten ten or something. And not get bit, and they shot when he does get bit. Come on, man, stop. Read on. Or any such as come nigh wild beast. <laughs> Who's going to pity somebody like I said playing around with wild beasts, man? Do they still have that uh, show when animals attack? <laughs> <laughs> Man, people do some of the most stupidest stuff as it relates to animals, especially with dogs, man. I've been hearing stories lately about people trying to pet dogs and getting bit. All kinds. If a dog has teeth, y'all, guess what? It bites. But you hear people say it all the time about their dog. Oh, he don't bite or she don't bite. If the dog has teeth, it bites. I don't care if it's one of them little dogs or a big dog. If it has teeth, it bites. Come on, man. <laughs> anyway, point being, nobody feels sorry for what's going on with America right now, that their violence is coming back on them. Uh, Malcolm X said it the best, man. And y'all can go back and check the files, the, the archives, should be on YouTube. When J, uh, JFK got shot, Malcolm X said, the chickens have come home to roost. <laughs> Elijah Muhammad put the gag order on for it because that was not his agenda. He was more political. Malcolm was not. But Malcolm spoke the truth. Chickens come home to roost, man. Violence begins violence. All right, y'all, let's move on to the next article that I got. Read this one, man. From NPR.org. Reported February 10th, 2023. Gender-neutral terms for God are up for discussion, the Church of England says. Yep. Y'all heard the, y'all heard the, uh, the topic or the, the uh, headline correct. They are trying to come up with gender-neutral topics for the most high. This is what's known as, look this up real quick, ISO Jesus, y'all. Iso Jesus or Iso Jesus, however you want to pronounce it. Let's look this up so y'all know what I'm talking about, man. 
You got it. Yes. Eisegesis is the process of interpreting text in such a way as to introduce one's own presuppositions, agendas, or biases. Your, it's your own belief system, man. It's like you hear people say it too all the time, not my Jesus, they ain't my Jesus. Well, you're right. It's not your Jesus. <laughs> the Jesus of the Bible is not your Jesus if you believe this nonsense. The God of the Bible is not your God if you believe this nonsense. Let's get, uh, man, I always get these mixed up. Make it up. Um, what? No, no, no. Hold on. Let me find it first. Stay where you at. And hold on, y'all. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Look for a scripture real quick. having a brain for it, y'all. I'm sorry. This scripture is escaping me right now. It's in Peter, 2 Peter 1 and 20. We want to Second Peter chapter uh, Second Peter chapter one verse twenty. Just going along what we just read about uh, ISO Jesus or ISO Jesus. You got it. Second yeah. Peter chapter one verse twenty. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. You can't privately interpretate the scripture. I mean, you can, but you won't be accurate in your interpretation. None of these scriptures have a private interpretation, y'all. All of the scriptures are proven through, like it tells us in Psalms chapter 119, verse 104, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. I'm sorry, that's Isaiah 28 and 10. Uh, Psalms 119, 104 says, through thy precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. That's Psalms 119, verse 104. Through the precepts, y'all, we get understanding. So we won't have an, a private interpretation. We won't have Jesus. Read this again, Jesus. Jesus is the process of interpreting text in such a way as to introduce one's own presuppositions Agendas or biases. No doubt. And this is what's going on here in this article. Read this. The Church of England is considering how to refer to God without assigning a gender. Its governing body says. But the Church's general synod adds that while it's been exploring the idea of adopting new language in recent years, no changes are looming. So these clowns that's going to try to change God's gender, the most high's gender. So let's get 
And this is how you know, matter of fact, before we even get that, let's get Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 2. Because we already got how the, the book is of no private interpretation through Second Peter 1 and 20, right? Mm-hmm. Now, let's let's do this. Let's go through the book and see what the book says about people changing stuff. You got that, Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy 4, four and, two. and 2. Yes. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What does it say? Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you. Now, keep it in mind, y'all. Read Deuteronomy 1 and 1. Deuteronomy 1 and 1? Mm-hmm. These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel. Before these to the whole world. Unto all Israel. Before these to religion. Unto all Israel. The Bible is not a religious book, y'all. Moses spoke these words to Israel. The book of Deuteronomy, the first five books, the whole book. But in particular, since we're putting this scripture from Deuteronomy, let's stay in Deuteronomy who he's talking to. He's talking to the Israelites, which were given the law. The whole world was never given the law in the first place, or religious people was never given the law, so it's not their God anyway to try to change anything in the first place. But just to show you how they don't read the Bible, read it again in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 4, or 4 and 2. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you. So the Most High said not to add to his word. If I'm trying to call the Most High, uh, uh, acronym or call him a her when he's a he or he's non-binary or any of that nonsense. What's the most I say? You shall not add unto the word which I command you. Mm-hmm. Neither shall you diminish aught from it. Because when you add to the word, you're diminishing it. You're watering it down. Is that it? That ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Right. And look at the, the terminology being used. The Lord your God. He's not everybody's God, y'all. All right? So they ain't got no choice but the eyes of Jesus, I guess. Let's get Revelation 22 and verse 19. When I heard this, man, I was appalled, but not surprised, man. There's no limit to the foolery that Esau and the other nations will do, man. It's no limit. There's no limitations to it. Where we at? Revelation 22 and 19. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book. Listen to what it's saying. If anybody takes away from the words of the book, meaning the Bible, read. Of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. So guess what's happening? Since y'all want to change stuff, the Most High is going to erase y'all name. Y'all name, as a matter of fact, <laughs> y'all, y'all names going to be erased anyway because the Most High said he's going to destroy Edom <laughs> off, off the face of the globe in countless sections of the Bible. Do, do this for me, y'all. Do a search. A search of Edom and the word Esau. And read all about those people. And y'all will see that this is the only nation the Most High said he has indignation against them forever. In case you don't know what forever means, it's an indefinite 
All right, was that in Revelation? Yeah. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out from out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. They ain't going to be in it anyway. But I just want to get this understanding out to our people. So y'all don't be taking away words or adding words to the book, man. Precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Do like precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Remember that, y'all. Now let's get Genesis chapter 1. Let's get what we're supposed to be holding on fast to that is to what's good. It is called the good book, right? So hold on to the Bible. So Genesis chapter 1 and story verse 9. Matter of fact, story verse 1 first. We're going to read it in context. We're going to jump to 9. Just okay. and just showing people really don't read the Bible. Where are we at? Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So subject matter is talking about the most high, God, all right? Now let's jump down to verse, uh, what did I say, 9? Mm-hmm. Verse 9. And so, now, now I want to say this. Because before all of this, it just says God, 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 right? That's all you get. So you might be reading and be like, oh, well, see, times apart, we don't know if it's a he or her because it doesn't say, right? Now watch this. Read. Genesis 1 and 9. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together. Now this is what God said. Remember from verse 1, talking about the same person. Read. Unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he sea. Called what? Called he sea. Called she? He. Acronym? Mm -hmm. Non-binary? Letter people? Come and join the letter people. A, B, C, Q, U, whatever the hell they is. The letter people. That's what it says. No. What does it say? Called he, he. He. It lets you know clearly that God is a man. He's a male. But read on. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind. After who who kind? After his kind. After his kind. Not only is he a male, he's a male-driven male. He's a dominant male. He's an alpha male. He said, you know what? I'm a male. Make this stuff grow after his kind. Not her kind, his kind. Huh? Makes sense. A seed. No doubt. The man carries what? A seed. Read on. Known as semen. Go ahead. Read on. Whose seed is in itself upon the earth. Read on. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass. I'm sorry. What verse are you in? We're in talk. Jump. Uh, matter of fact, keep reading. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind. Once again, read on. And the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after 
his time. You see how the most high operates, man? He's a male, so he's making masculine things first. The male version of even plants and fruits first. You know. And God saw that it was good. Mm-hmm. And the evening and the morning were the third day. Uh-huh. And God said, let there be light in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. Listen to this. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for light in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. Watch this. He made the stars also. She made the stars? He made the stars also. Non-binary? He. He. He, she? He. She, we. (laughs) (laughs) That what it says? He. It says he made the stars also. Now, that was verse uh, 16, y'all. Now, I'm going to jump to verse 26. All right. It says, and God said, let us make man... Man, now I could have just went here and just killed the whole thing, but I wanted to build up to this. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air. So this is the most high. He, he himself being a man, and he said, you know what? There's a particular group of people that I want to make to be just like me, manly. <laughs> I want to make them to be males. Man was made in the most highest image, y'all. Point blank, period. Now I'm going to jump all the way down to verse 31. It says, And God saw everything that he, he made that he had made, and behold, it was it was very good. And the evening and the morning was the sixth day. And remember verse 31, it says, And God saw everything that he had made. Not she, not he, she, she, we, none of that, y'all. Now, jumping over to Genesis 2 and 1, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, which had made. Come on, man. This is how you know people don't read the Bible. Look how many times it gives the gender of the most high. You don't have to scratch your head. You don't have to guess. He's telling you clearly he's a man, right? And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. He, he, he. See that? Is he dropped like three times in that one proverb, or one precept right there. All right, now let's get uh, Exodus chapter 15, verse 3. You know I couldn't leave this one out, Michelle. Exodus 15, verse 3. The Lord is a man <laughs> the Lord is a man <laughs> the Lord is a man of war the Lord is his name you know it tells us in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 8 it says and they read in the book of the Lord distinctly and gave the sense of it. 
you have to read the Bible distinctly, which means very carefully, y'all. You can't just be reading over things. You miss a lot of important information. That could be detrimental to your belief system. All right, now you say, well, talk about this is the Old Testament. We go, let's go to the New Testament on it. Let's go to the New Testament. Man, I only got, damn, a couple minutes. Uh, I might go a little over with the news, y'all. Because there's another one. I, I got to get to this one. Uh, St. John's chapter 14 and verse 2. St. John 14, 2. And said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is, man, let me make sure I got the right verse. Ooh, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait a minute. Man, that ain't the right one. That is not the right one. Oh, I'm in the wrong book. I'm tripping. Sorry, y'all. St. John chapter 14. It'd be difficult, man, when you got to read it sometimes. You got to put your spirit into so many different places. Uh St. John chapter 14, verse 2. In my father's house are many mansions. Now, the words are in red, so who is it speaking? This is Christ speaking. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. <laughs> in whose house? Did he say his mama house? Did he say that? Did he say his um, non-binary uh, progenitor's house? He didn't say, he said, my father's house, which lets you know once again that God is a what? A male. Come on, man. Stop the nonsense. Now let's go to Luke 23 and 34. Now I just got a few, man. I didn't want to give this that much energy, but I had to give it some because it's so idiotic. It's, it's, it's uh, what's that Geico commercial? It's so simple. Nah, no, I ain't gonna even say that because they are cavemen and they still don't get it. Uh, Luke chapter twenty-three, verse thirty-four, and it reads: Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He didn't say mother. He said Father. Come on, man. Last one, y'all. Hebrews twelve and nine. Yeah, I'm being. Michelle, I'm going to shop on y'all right now. Michelle <laughs> beat that dead horse. I'm, I'm going to beat it. Hebrews 12 and 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection until the father of spirits and lives? So not only is the most high God, the heavenly father, the father of mankind, he's also the father of spirits. Once again, letting you know he's a man. He's a male, y'all. Stop the nonsense, please. All right, y'all. Let's go to the next article that I have. Let me see. Boom. Uh, Let's go here. So this is from CNN, y'all, and this is actually from last week. It says, what's the, SpaceX admits blocking Ukrainian troops from using satellite technology. All right, SpaceX. I heard about it. I have never looked into it to see exactly what it was. The president of SpaceX reveals the company has taken active steps to prevent Ukrainian forces from using the critical Starlink satellite technology with with. Ukraine.
Ukrainian drones that are a key component of their fight against Russia. So what SpaceX actually is, y'all, uh, and I'm going to do this for lack of time, is a bunch of satellites that um, Elon Musk's company, because he's the owner of it, came up with a bunch of satellites that they launched into space that can basically see the whole planet. Yes. Wow. You can see the whole planet everywhere. And they're using that uh, technology to fight against Ukraine. Now, originally, matter of fact, I guess I got to read a little bit more of this just to get perspective on this. Um, start right here. Okay. Check it out. There. There are things that we can do to limit their ability to do that, Gwen Shotwell told reporters on Wednesday, referencing reports on Starlink and drone use. There are things we can do and have done. Starlink was never meant to be used militarily in the way that it has Shotwell argued. Now, the new Shotwell is the president of the uh, of um, Elon Musk's company, uh, SpaceX, or Starlink, whatever. What? Shotwell argues, saying the company didn't foresee how profoundly and creatively Ukrainian forces would rely on the technology. It was never intended to be weaponized, Shotwell told an audience at a space conference. However, Ukrainians have leveraged it in ways that were unintentional and not part of any agreement. Shotwell's admission that SpaceX, which was founded by Elon Musk, has prevented Ukrainian soldiers from fully using the technology confirms the longstanding belief that Musk and the company are uneasy with Ukraine's military use of Starlink. Speaking with reporters after, Shotwell argued that Starlink had sent units to Ukraine to keep the banks going, hospitals, keep families connected. We know the military is using them for comms, and that's okay, Shotwell added, but our intent was never to have them use it for offensive purposes. Listen, come on, man, stop. You're creating technology. You already know the military is big on technology. You knew what you was doing when you made it. Stop the cap. Read on. Last October, Musk angered Ukrainians, including President Volodymyr Zelensky, for proposing a peace plan on Twitter that argued Ukraine just give up efforts to reclaim Crimea and seize control of the Luhansk and Donetsk regions. That same month, there were reports that the Starlink signal had been restricted and was not available past the front line as Ukrainian troops tried to advance, essentially hamstringing their efforts to retake territory from the Russians. Those reports of the outages fueled accusations that Musk was kowtowing to Russia. So he pulled a plug on them, you know? That has affected every effort of the Ukrainians to push past that front, a person familiar with the outages told CNN in October. Starlink is the main way units on the battlefield have to communicate. Right on. So I'm not going to read all this, but long story short, uh, Elon Musk let them use it again after they paid for it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Money. Yeah, he want to make his dough. And um, the Pentagon was trying to uh, get in on it as well, but they said that the price was too high, but they're eventually going to pay or are they going to do something to him financially or otherwise? 
to make him just give it up for a cheaper price. Now read this right here. Reported February 9, 2022. SpaceX says up to 40 of its new Starlink satellites are falling out of orbit. So these satellites that they they sitting up, y'all, in case you uh, don't know, um, these Starlight, the Starlight technology is available uh, for, for regular consumers, y'all. It's uh, like a cable service or something that they're offering. Also, uh, Elon Musk is uh, plotting to come out with a phone called the Pi phone, which would essentially be a satellite phone. Everybody would have a satellite phone in their pocket, man, and it will be solar-powered. Uh, that's a, a ad for it on YouTube. It's called the Pi phone. Y'all check that out when y'all get the opportunity. But if he does something like that, keep in mind he's going to put Apple and all the other phone makers completely out of business. You know? Only a fraction of the 49 satellites SpaceX launched into orbit last week survived a geomagnetic storm, the company says. As many as 40 of the Starlink satellites will reenter or already have reentered the Earth's atmosphere, according to SpaceX. The satellites were launched into low Earth orbit last Thursday with the plan of bringing them up to a higher altitude. Right. And let's be fair. When was this article? A year ago. This was a year ago that they were working on this technology. So we late in getting this information. But it says that it has some type of uh, rate force field or something that knocks them down. We know that that was the most high. Now let's go to Isaiah chapter 14, y'all, and start with 4. That was the most high knocking those things down because they don't belong up there, man. They shouldn't be up there. Isaiah chapter 14. Yeah, let me catch up with you. Yeah, so it was four. Isaiah 14 and 4. That thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, How hath the oppressor ceased? The golden city ceased. Now, I want us to keep in mind, man, this is like a dual prophecy. This is talking about the king of Babylon, ancient Babylon, or Neo-Babylon. It's also talking about Babylon the Great, which is, in fact, America, the nation of the Edomites, the nation of white folks. So it's talking about them, all right? And it's talking about their king. I want us to understand this. It's talking about a king, an actual person. A lot of people get tripped up about the verses, uh, the verse we're about to read. Uh, so, matter of fact, just to prove that it is talking about Babylon the Great, let's get Psalms 137, verse 8. Let's, let's move kind of quick because we kind of stress the time right now. 137, verse 8. I'm going to read this again while she's getting it. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 4. That thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, How hath the oppressor ceased, the golden city ceased? All right? We're talking about the king of Babylon, like I said, but this is a future prophecy. And it's talking about Babylon the Great. You got that in Psalm? Yes. Yeah. Psalm 137, verse 8. Mm-hmm. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be? O daughter of Babylon. O daughter of Babylon. Do y'all see this? And who is the daughter of Babylon? Matter of fact, let me catch up with you. Matter of fact, can you jump up? Which one is this? 
Wait a minute, y'all. Uh, who works you in? Eight. Read verse seven. Remember, O oh Lord, the children of Edom. The children of who? Of Edom. The children of Edom, which is the nation of Esau, the nation of Edom. Esau's children, the Edomites, so-called white people. Remember them, read. In the day of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Who said, raise it, raise it, mm-hmm. even to the foundation thereof. Now watch this. Still talking about Edom. Esau, read. O daughter of Babylon. Who is Esau? Daughter of Babylon. They're, they're not the original. They're not the ancient Babylonians. They're not the Neo-Assyrian Babylonians. But they're the offspring of that empire. They're the daughters of Babylon. I hope everybody sees this. Now, let's go to Isaiah chapter 14. And read verse 4 again. That thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, How hath the oppressor ceased? Mm -hmm. The golden city ceased. Now, jump down to verse 11. Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, Mm -hmm. and the noise of thy vial. So the pomp is talking about pride. The pride is brought down to the grave. It's talking about brought down low. Read. The worm is spread under thee, mm-hmm. and the worms cover thee. Meaning you're just, you're, you're become a degenerate now. you become less than what you were. Read. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Now, this is why I wanted to read. It's talking about a king, the king of Babylon, before we saw, oh, it's Lucifer, it's face off. This is the fallen angel. No, it's not, y'all. It says, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? The word Lucifer means light bearer. Light represents wisdom. So there's a wisdom that this particular person uh, has. Read. Son of the morning, Mm -hmm. how art thou cut down to the ground, Mm -hmm. which didst weaken the nation? So we're learning a couple of things here in this this precept. It says, how art thou fallen from heaven? Meaning falling from power, y'all. It's not talking about actual heaven, heaven, heaven. All right? According to the Bible, there are three heavens. We're not going to get it, but I will give y'all the scripture so y'all can go back and do your own homework. Uh, it's 2 Corinthians chapter. Hold on, y'all. Let me get it. Let me get it. Press for time, y'all. So I'm not going to go into all of this. Second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 2 tells us that it is three heavens, all right? The first heaven is the firmament, referred to in Genesis, the first chapter, which is the sky or the ozone layer. The second heaven is power, rulership, and authority on the earth. And you can get that out of Daniel uh, chapter 2. Wait, wait, wait. So then you get to Isaiah chapter 2, verse 21, and it's in other places in Daniel as well. So first heaven um, is the sky of the firmament, that's Genesis chapter 1. 
The second heaven is power, rulership, and authority on earth. And this is what it's talking about here in this verse, him following from power, rulership, and authority on the earth. The third heaven, y'all, is the third and the fourth dimension where the most high and the angels dwell. You can get that in uh, you know, Acts chapter 7, verses uh, 47 and 48, I believe it is. The Most High tells you that uh, heaven is his throne, earth is his footstool. All right. But this heaven right here, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, is talking about power, rulership, and authority on earth. So it's saying, how is this dude falling from having power, rulership, and authority on earth? Read verse 12 again. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Mm-hmm. How art thou cut down to the ground, which weakened the nations? So it tells you that this dude weakened the nations. Read. For thou hast said in thine heart. Now, now, before everybody get all spooked out and say I'm uh, taking stuff out of context, let's prove this talking about an actual man and not a spirit. Jump over to verse 16. Same chapter? Mm-hmm. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee. Now, the same person they called Lucifer, the same person that said this was the king of Babylon, people going to look at you and see and say what? Saying, is this the man? Is this the who? Is this the man? Is this the angel? The man. The entity? The man. The, the angel, the fallen angel that fell from heaven and went against God? The man. This is a man that's talking about, y'all. Read. That made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms. So this was a man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms. Who else did it be talking about but the so-called white man? He did all these things. Now jump up to verse 13. Now let's get to the point. I had to get all that to get y'all to see this point I'm about to pull out. Read. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. So this man has said in his heart, the heart's talking about the mind, he said, I'm going to ascend. I'm going to go into the heavens. Read. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I'm going to put my throne up there above the stars of the Most High. Now, I don't know if y'all heard about this, that SpaceX company, uh, company Elon Musk has, has been sending people out of space, trips on the moon, I believe it is, or somewhere, Mars, somewhere, been sending people out there. He said, I'm going to exalt my throne above the stars of God. Read. Upon the mount of the congregation. I mean, I'm going to sit on top of God's congregation. God's congregation is his church. That's where the, where the word church comes from. The only church that the Most High ever bonified to be his church are the children of Israel. You read that in Acts. Read. In the sides of the north. Now, this is the part I want to get to, read. I will ascend above the heights. Of the clouds. I'm going to send above the heights of what's above the clouds? The universe. Space. Ain't that what Elon Musk has done with this SpaceX thing or the Space Link thing? Read. I will be like the Most High. He said he's going to be like the Most High. He's going to be like God. Now, we call the Most High, refer to the Most High, and loosely and say, well, not loosely, relative, and say that he's omnipresent. Meaning what? He's everywhere. So these satellites are all over the globe in space. So they're what? 
They everywhere. They can see everybody and everything. Like who? Like the most high, man. I hope y'all seeing this. The so-called white man is the direct enemy of the most high. But it's taking place, man. We're watching it unfold right before our very eyes, man. The Bible holds truth. I hope everybody, I hope I didn't lose nobody, man. If y'all ain't questioning anything, man, concerning it, hit me up. Let me know. We're going to take a brief, brief, brief intermission, man, before we switch over to the class topic, which title, Never Wax Tail, Captives of the Southern Kingdom of Judah, y'all. I'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. Switching over to the class topic, Never Wax Pale, Captives of the Southern Kingdom of Judah, Part 4. And all this is stemming, man, from this scripture right here. Let's get Isaiah chapter 29, verse 22. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, who redeemed Abraham, concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall not now be ashamed, neither shall his face now wax and the reason I titled this series Never Wax Pale is because Jacob's kids, which we know are the Israelites, the house of Israel, the nation of Israel, it says that their face is never going to wax pale, man. We have some imposters that are claiming to be us, and they ain't us, man. And their face is pale. It's talking about the so-called white man. What did the Native Americans call him when they first saw him? Pale Call him pale face, man. Our face never going to wax pale. The people in, of the Bible, the children of Israel, are people of color, in fact. And what we're going over in this series of classes is to show our captivities that we've been in and to show also uh, that the Most High has put us in many captivities and he saved us out of all those captivities. And what I eventually want to do, y'all, is get us up to where we are now. So we already have the Assyrian captivity, which took out the northern kingdom. Uh, we, we, the northern kingdom came to the Americas. We already went over that. Now we're dealing with the southern kingdom, 
which the uh, Assyrians occupied, but then the Assyrians was overthrown by the Babylonians, and then the Babylonians came in and removed the southern kingdom and took them into captivity into Babylon and all the way up to the Persian Meat Empire under Cyrus. And Cyrus sent us back to rebuild the first temple which the Babylonians had destroyed. So getting us up to speed on that, let's go to Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 36 and verse 22. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me, and he hath changed me, charged me to build him a house. Now, I should have put this one also, y'all, because this is talking about the, not just mixed topics, but this is also talking about the second heaven, which is power, rulership, and authority on the earth. He understood that God had gave him this. And the Babylonians, I'm sorry, the Persian Meat Empire came into power around 538, uh, 538 B.C. Now, the Persians would be your current-day Elamites, which we call in. East Indians, um, and they occupied uh, that territory uh, first, primarily of what's called uh, today the Middle East, which is back in those times known as Asia Minor. So you might have some brothers say that the Persians were the uh, the Iraq the Iraqi people, and they're they're not necessarily wrong but they weren't the original inhabitants of that land, but they did occupy that region. But they will be your current-day uh, Indians, which is biblically, their biblical name is Elam, or the Elamites. The Persians would be the sons of Japheth, which would be your Pacific Islanders. Those were the Medes. So the Persians, the Elamites, the Medes, uh, the Pacific Islanders, sons of Japheth. So this is Cyrus sending us back, all right, around 539, 538 B.C., Cyrus the Great, which was actually Cyrus II, y'all, all all right? So we're we're reading to verse 23. Did you read verse 23? Yes. All right, cool. Now let's go to Nehemiah chapter 1. I'm sorry. Did you read all 23? Did you read all 23? Okay, read all 23. Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me, and he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is there among you of all his people. Mm. The Lord his God be with him, and let him go up. So he's telling us, go back to Jerusalem. Whoever want to go, y'all go. Now, we're going to come back to this and revisit this, y'all, because we're going to find out. Now, all of us left Babylon to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild it. Not all of us left, all right? Now, let's go to Ezra chapter 1 and sort of verse 1. So, we're going to the book of Ezra chapter 1 and verse 1. 
And we're going to also couple this, I believe. Did I have it down in here? With Ezra in the Apocrypha. And I don't want us to be confused either, man. So there's Ezra, which is in the Bible. And then there's two additional Ezras in the Apocrypha. But all the same person. Ezra is in the, uh, the Syrian Hebrew or the ancient Hebrew because we know that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. But the Apocrypha was written in Greek, so that's why he's referred to as Ezra in the Apocrypha. But it's still the same person. You might hear in some books they refer to Second Ezra as Fourth Ezra or Third Ezra because they the books were split up. But it's talking about the same person. All right, so let's get Ezra chapter one and start at verse one. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, the reason I wanted to read this, y'all, we just got this out, out of Chronicles. Understand the Chronicles is just that. Things were being chronalized or wrote down, scribed, so we would know. But that the, what's in Chronicles took place during the time of Ezra, all right? So Ezra was part of those captives that went back to rebuild the temple. I want us to remember that, all right? Now let's jump over to Isaiah 44 and 24. You got it? Yes. Read Thus saith the Lord, thy, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretches forth the heavens alone. Keep reading. That spreadeth abroad the earth by myself, that frustrateth the tokens of the liars, and maketh di- diviners mad, that turneth wise men backward, and maketh their knowledge foolish, that confirmeth the word of his servant, and performeth the counsel of his messengers, that saith to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be inhabited, and to the cities of Judah ye shall be built, and I will raise up the decayed places thereof. That saith to the deep, Be dry, and I will dry up thy rivers. That saith of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and shall perform all my pleasures, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple foundation shall be laid. So why did the Most High raise a nation up? Because Cyrus was a Persian, uh, uh, Elamite, so-called East Indian. Why did he raise them up? He raised them up so he could rebuild his temple because the Babylonians had tore it down, y'all. I want us to understand this. They tore it down. So the most high, hold on, y'all, um, the water. So they tore it down. Come on, I got that last week. They tore it down, and Cyrus was commissioned by the most high to send us back to rebuild it. The Babylonians tore it down. Cyrus sent us back to rebuild. Now let's get um, Ezra chapter 4. 
chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse 1. Yeah. Okay. Ezra 4 and 1. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel. So, now, we had adversaries that heard that Cyrus had sent us back. They was hating on us. They didn't like us because what happened was, by this time, Cyrus had died. And then you had his son, um, I forget the dude's name. Let me get it real quick. But he's not even mentioned in the Bible, y'all. But you had his son who came into power. Ooh. What was that dude's name? Kybis or something like that. Hold on, man. I'm sorry, y'all. Uh, Just a second. I'm, I'm looking for it right here. It is right here. Um, so Cyrus the second, he died around 530 BC. His son uh, Cabius the second, he uh, he came into power, but it was kind of turbulent because after Cyrus died, you had people fighting for the position of king. So he was kind of tied up in that. Uh, but he's not mentioned in the Bible. But what we're reading happened in the aftermath of people fighting for kingship. And around 522, I believe Darius steps on the scene. And this will be Darius the first. Yeah, he stepped on the scene as well as uh, this cat named Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus. He came on the scene around 522 B.C. Now, remember, um, the Persian Mede Empire had two kings, all right, y'all? One for the Persians, one for the Medes. But by this time, when we're reading Ezra, chapter 4, verse 1, Cyrus II or Cyrus the Great, he's he's dead already. All right, let's pick back up in uh, Ezra, chapter 4, and you were, what, what, verse what? Verse 1. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as ye do, and we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Ezar Haddon. Now, what they're doing is they're being slick. They saying, hey, we want to worship with you. We down with y'all, but they really not. Now, remember, they were saying this to uh, Zerubbabel. We're going to read about him a little later. Read on. King of Ashur, which brought us up hither. But Zerubbabel and Joshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, 
You have nothing to do with us to build a house unto our God. So he's like, man, you ain't fooling us. I know y'all don't mess with us. We don't mess with y'all either, read. But we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel. Mm -hmm. As King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us. So he remembered the words of Cyrus. He remembered the decree and everything, read. Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building Mm -hmm. and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So even when Cyrus was alive, they made it hard for us to go back and rebuild. And it says even until the time of Darius, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody is seeing this. Now let's jump to... uh, now let's go to Second Ezra. I'm sorry, First Ezra, chapter three. So first, let's go to First Ezra, chapter three, and verse one. In the Apocrypha, y'all. So First Ezra, chapter three, and verse one. First Ezra chapter three and verse one in the Apocrypha. Now in Darius' reign he made a great feast unto all his subjects, and unto all his household, and unto all the princes of Media and Persia. Oh, let me catch up with y'all. Okay, go ahead. And to all the governors and captains and lieutenants that were under him, from India. Unto Ethiopia. Now it's talking about Darius. Who would have been Darius the first, I believe? All right, Darius, or you might hear him often referred to as uh, Darius. Read on. Of an hundred twenty and seven provinces, and when they had eaten and drunken and be- being satisfied, were gone home. Then Darius the king went into his bedchamber and slept. And soon after, awake. Then three young men that were of the guard that kept the king's body spake one to another. Let, verse 5. Sorry. Go ahead. Let every one of us speak a sentence. He that shall overcome and whose sentence shall seem wiser than the others, unto him shall the king Darius give great gifts in token of victory. As to be clothed in purple, to drink in gold. To be what? Clothed in purple. Mm -hmm. To drink in gold Mm -hmm. and to sleep upon gold. And a chariot with bridles of gold and a head tire of fine linen and a chain about his neck. So these were the gifts that were going to be given to the one that had the best chain. Read on. And he shall sit next to Darius because of his wisdom and shall be called... Darius, his cousin. Uh-huh. And then everyone wrote his sentence, sealed it, and laid it under the king Darius, his pillow. So the, these brothers had a contest. Who come up with the wisest sentence? Now, I want you to jump down to verse, um, verse 13. Now, when the king was risen up, they took their writings and just... Oh, you know verse 13? That is which? Yeah, same book. First yeah. Ezra, chapter 3, verse 13. Mm-hmm. Then the third, who has spoken? 
first Ezra chapter four. Was you six. said three thirteen. That we were in three, oh, so tripping. you want me to go to four? I'm tripping, y'all. Correct your notes. Uh, first Ezra chapter four and verse thirteen. Now, so these three brothers, they they had a contest. Uh, they came up with wise sentences. Whoever win was going to get the purple robe and the chain around his neck and all that good stuff. He called Darius cousin. Now let's find out who one of them was. Read this. First Ezra chapter 4, verse 13. Mm-hmm. Then the third who had spoken of women and of the truth, this was Zerubbabel. This was who? Zerubbabel. This was Zerubbabel we just read about in Ezra, y'all. In Ezra, that's in the Bible. I hope I hope everybody's with me. This is the same Zerubbabel we just read about in uh, Ezra, the uh, fourth chapter. All right. So read on. Began to speak. O ye men, is it not the great king, nor the multitude of men? Neither is it wine that excelleth. Right now, let's jump to verse forty-one. So he won the contest, y'all. He he said. Uh, that women were stronger and the most, and the truth was stronger. Talking about the Most High. So let's get to the aftermath of the point. Verse forty-one. And with that, he held his peace. So he spoke everything. And he, he he stopped talking. He shut up. Read. And all the people then shouted and said, "Great is truth, and mighty above all things." Uh huh. Then said the king unto him, "Ask what thou wilt more than it." Than is appointed in the writing, and we will give it thee, because thou art found wisest, and thou shalt sit next me, and shall be called my cousin. Mm-hmm. Then he said unto the king, Remember thy vow, which thou hast vowed to build Jerusalem. So he's like, Hey man, what you want? And Zerubbabel reminded him, Hey man, remember the vow that you said you was gonna let us go back and rebuild Jerusalem? Read. In the day when thou camest to thy kingdom, and to send away all the vessels that were taken away out of Jerusalem, which Cyrus set apart when he vowed to destroy Babylon and to send them again thither, thou also hast vowed to build up the temple, which the Edomites burned when Judea was made desolate by the Chaldees. Mm -hmm. And now, O Lord the King, this is that which I require. And now, which, now, I want us to pay close attention to, and to verse 45. He says that the Edomites burned with, uh, when Judea was made desolate by the Chaldeans. So we find out that the Edomites, they were with the Babylonians, who are the Chaldeans, when they destroyed the first temple, all right? That's important to remember because we're going to find out also that the Edomites were in, they were part of the Persian Mede Empire also. And we're going to find out later on that they were conspiring against them. All right? You read about that in Esther. The story of uh, Esther talks about Haman. He was conspiring against the Persian Medes. But let's stick to the topic. Read on. And now, O Lord, the king, this is that which I require and which I desire of thee. And this is the princely liberality proceeding from myself, from thyself. I desire, therefore, that thou make good the vow, the performance whereof, with thine own mouth, thou hast vowed to the king of heaven. So you vowed this to the most high. Read. Then Darius the king stood up and kissed him and wrote letters for him unto all the treasurers 
and lieutenants and captains and governors that they should safely convey on their way both him and all those that go up with him to build Jerusalem. So he gave him permission to go up and rebuild the temple with Nehemiah, with with Ezra, and then himself, Zerubbabel, and those other people, uh, Joshua, I believe, was one of them we just read about it. Matter of fact, let's go there. Uh, let's go back to Ezra chapter. We're going to read verse 6 now. So Ezra in the Bible, chapter 4 and verse 6. Ezra. Matter of fact, pick up in verse 5. 4 and 5? Mm-hmm. Okay. And hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Right. So these were people that was hired to come against us from building the temple. And Zerubbabel was struggling with these people. And remember, he got permission from Darius. Uh, even Cyrus had signed off on this. Now we're going to read about this other cat. Read verse 6. And in the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, wrote they unto him an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. So this same Ahasuerus is the same catch you read about in the story of Esther. And a lot of those, we're going to find out a lot of those people uh, that were still in the providences in the story of Esther, they didn't return to Jerusalem. They stayed where they were. All right? But that's a whole, a whole other topic. Well, not really. It kind of ties into this one. But this cat uh, came into power around 522 B.C., uh, around the same time as, as Darius I. So read on. And in the days of Adaserses wrote Bishlam, Mithridath, Tabil, and the rest of their companions unto Adaserses. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, he did not come into power around 522 with Darius. He actually came into power around 486 B.C. Around 486 B.C., y'all. Correct your notes. Read on. Uh, unto Adaxerxes, king of Persia, and the writing of the letter was written in the Syrian tongue and interpreted in the Syrian tongue. Rehum, the chancellor, and Shimshai, the scribe, wrote a letter against Jerusalem to Adaxerxes, the king in this sort. Then wrote Rehum, the chancellor, and Chimchai, the, of their companions, the Dinaites, the Afarsasites, of, of goodness gracious, <laughs> the Tarpalites, the Aphorsites, the Archivites, the Babylonians, the Susankites, the Devavites, Dehavites and the Elamites and the rest of the nations whom the great and noble Asnapar brought over and set in the cities of Samaria. Now, Asnapar was from the lineage of Shalmaneser, y'all. And I looked this cat up, this Asnapar, and it said that he had another name. His other name was, um, that was verse 10, right? Yes. Let me get it. So I'm going to go to the Bible Atlas now, y'all, page 139. And hold where you at. Hold where you at. We're going to read that again. 
So this, uh, what's the dude name? As Naper? As, yeah. He was of the lineage of uh, Shalmaneser and um, we're going to read about him in a second. So read that verse again. Uh, verse 10. 10. And the rest of the nations whom the great and noble Asnapar brought over and set in the cities of Samaria and the rest that are on this side of the river and at such a time. Now remember, Samaria is talking about the northern kingdom, y'all. The northern kingdom is already gone by this time and occupied by foreign nationalists. And this as neighbor, this dude was partly responsible for that by way of what we're going to read right here. So read this. From the Holman Bible Atlas, page 139. And we went over this already, but we got to get this information in case you forgot. Read. Fall of Samaria. Shalmaneser V, from 727 to 722 B.C., reigned only briefly upon the death of Tiglath-Pileser III. He left very few remains. During Shalmaneser V's reign, Hosea rebelled against Assyria with the expectation of Egyptian aid. Now, Hosea was the king of the northern kingdom, but he rebelled against the Assyrians to form a league with the Egyptians. All right? Watch. Read on. Reference in 2 Kings 17, 1 through 4. Mm-hmm. Perhaps Tefnafti, the founder of the 24th Egyptian dynasty, stirred up the revolt in fear of Assyrian incursions further south. The rebellion probably was more widespread and may have involved Phoenician and Philistine cities. Shalmaneser responded by besieging Samaria for three years until the city fell in 722 B.C. Mm-hmm. Reference in 2 Kings 17, verses 5 through 6. Mm-hmm. Though Sargon II, from 722 to 705 B.C. Now, Sargon, remember that name, Reed? Successor to Shalmaneser V. So he's the successor to Shalmaneser. So he was came from that lineage of Shalmaneser. All the people we're reading about right now, read. Claims credit for the capture of Samaria. The Bible implies that Shalmaneser was primarily responsible for the final destruction of the northern kingdom Israel. Second mm-hmm. Kings seventeen five. During Sargon's early reign, many Israelites were deported and resettled in the upper. Habor Valley, Gozan, near Nineveh, at Hala. The northern kingdom was taken out, y'all. All All right? That's what I wanted to get from that. Now let's go to 2 Kings, chapter 17. (laughs) And I want you to start at verse 23. Second Kings, chapter 17. Yeah. Wait a minute. Hold on. Wait a minute. But we're still dealing with this cat. Uh, um, what's his name? Ab Napier? Ash Napier or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, let me see.
So this uh, cat that's referred to as Ask Napier, y'all, this cat is actually uh, Sennacherib. Mm-hmm. That's actually Sennacherib, okay? But he came from the lineage of Sargon. And Sargon came from the lineage of um, Shalomaneser. So they're all from the same family. So the reason I'm getting all this is to show that this cat had removed the Israelites out of Samaria, which we're reading about in uh, Ezra chapter 4 and verse 10. I'm going to read it again, and then Hasidiah is going to read Second Kings. It says, so this is Ezra chapter 4 and verse 10. And the rest of the nations whom the great and noble as Napier brought over and set in the cities of Samaria and the rest that are in the, on this side of the river and at such a time. So this dude had removed, like I said, the northern kingdom. Now let's get that in Second Kings chapter 17 and verse 23, right? Okay. <clears throat> Second Kings 17, 23. Until the Lord removed Israel out. Go to 22. <clears throat> Second Kings 17, 22. For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They departed not from them. Mm-hmm. Until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by all his servants, the prophets. Mm-hmm. So was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. See that? Read. So all the northern kingdom was removed. Read. And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Kutta and from Ava and from Hamath and from Sepharvaim and placed them in cities in the, in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. Y'all see that? So the king of Assyria, so that lineage had replaced the Israelites from Samaria. So the northern kingdom was no longer there. It was these other nations that was dwelling there. And remember, they were right next door to the southern kingdom, to Jerusalem. They were right next door to them. So these were the people, part of the people that was given Ezra, Zerubbabel, Joshua, and Nehemiah all the grief when they tried to go back and build uh, the temple up in Jerusalem. We're going to find out why they was tripping too. So let's go back to uh, Ezra chapter 4 and pick up in verse 10. Okay. And the rest of the nations whom the great and noble Asnapar brought over and set in the cities of Samaria and the rest that are on this side of the river, side the river, and at such a time, this is the copy of the letter that they sent unto him, even unto Adazerses the king, the, thy servant, the men on this side, the river, and at, excuse me, sorry, where am I? Verse 11. 11. Okay. Thy servants, the men on this side, the river, and at such a time, be it known unto the king that the Jews which came up from thee to us are come unto Jerusalem, building the rebellious and the bad city, and have set up the walls thereof, and joined the foundation. So this is the pitch they were making to the king, and we're going to find out he gave us permission to do this. But this is the pitch they make it to tell them, hey, man, don't send these people back. They're going to be a problem for you. Read on. 
Be it known now unto the king that if this city be builded and the walls set up again, then will they not pay toll, tribute, and custom. They ain't going to pay you no money. Free. And so thou shalt endamage the revenue of the king. Now, because we have maintenance from the king's palace, and it was not meet see the king's dishonor, therefore have we sent and certified the king. That search may be made in the book of the records of thy fathers, so shalt thou find in the book of the records and know that this city is a rebellious city and hurtful unto kings and provinces, and they that have excuse me, and they and that they have moved sedition within the same of old times, for which cause was this city destroyed? Hey, this is why they were destroyed in the first place, because they were rebellious. Read. We certify the king that if this city be built again, and the walls thereof set up by this means, thou shalt have no portion on this side the river. Then sent the king an answer unto Rehum the chancellor, and to Shimshai the scribe, and to the rest of their companions that dwell in Samaria, and unto the rest beyond the river. Peace, and at such a time. The letter which ye sent unto us hath been plainly read, and I commanded and searched hath been made, and it is found that this city of old time hath made insurrection against kings. Against kings, but not against them, but against kings, read. And that rebellion and sedition have been made therein. Mm-hmm. There have been mighty kings also over Jerusalem. So this was known widely, man, about our kingdoms, about our kings. Read. Which have ruled over all countries beyond the river, and toll, tribute, and custom was paid unto them. And this talking about during the time of Solomon. Solomon ruled all kingdoms. Read. Give ye now commandment to cause these men to cease, and that this city be not builded until another commandment shall be given from me. Take heed now that ye fail not to do this. Why should damage grow to the hurt of the king? Now when the copy of King Adazerse's letter was read before Rehum and Chimshai the scribe and their companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem unto the Jews and made them to cease by force and power. Then cease the work of the house of the God which is at Jerusalem. So it ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So it ceased until the second reign. And I believe, like I said, that's Darius the uh, first, I believe it is, when he came into power. Now let's get uh, Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 1. So it's right next to, next door to Ezra, y'all. So all these books, they so the Bible is in not is, is not in any chronological order, but there's some pieces of it that is, y'all. And this is the sum that I'm referring to, because these books that are all all three of them together, uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, then you got Esther, all of them were doing the same during the same time. All right, read Nehemiah two and one came to pass in the month Nisan. In the twentieth year 
of Adazerses, the king, that wine was before him. And I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. So he said, man, you got a heavy heart. Your heart is sorrow right now. The king peeked that out. Read on. Then I was very sore afraid and said unto the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad? What verse you Three. All right, go ahead and do that. When the city... No, no, no. Oh, yes. And said unto the king, verse 3, and said unto the king, let the king live forever. Why should my countenance be sad? When the city, the place of my father's sepulcher, lie waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. So this is Nehemiah telling the king why he uh, has the sorrow heart. Verse 4, then the king said unto me, for what dost thou make request? So he asked, okay, so what, what do you need? This is what the king is saying. He says, so I pray to God, I pray to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, if it please the king, if, if and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchre, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, for how long shall the journey be, and when and when will thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I sent him a time. Moreover, I said unto, unto, the, unto the king, matter of fact, hold on, y'all. I might have to stop right. What verse is that? Hmm. I'm going to have to stop right there, y'all. That's a good stopping place. Let me mark this. Right here. So what's going on, y'all? This king, Ahasuerus, or Exerces, uh, um, and you're going to find out when we go back to the reading, he made a decree for Nehemiah and his companions to go back and rebuild the temple, man, after Ahasuerus sent that decree out telling them that they could so uh, we're going to pick up, Lord willing, next week, uh, right there in that spot, man. I hope everybody got some edification from the class, some understanding. I hope I was not going too fast. The water, Mashallah, for hooking up the broadcast. The water, thank y'all, everybody, for tuning in, for your support, for listening in on Blog Talk, man. And until next week, tell a friend to tell a friend. To tell a friend to please tune in to Southern Pop Tuesdays, Southern Pop Tuesdays, Southern Pop Tuesdays every Tuesday. With that, y'all, I'm going to say shalom.